What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining the Amazing Mets podcast. This is the second episode of our podcast tonight. We will break down the latest rumors, but first, we will be joined by two of our newest Mets additions, J.D. Davis and Hector Santiago. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight um, here with the Amazing Mets podcast. My name is John. I'm here along with Jake. And we will be having first J.D. Davis, one of the newest additions to the Mets. We will be interviewing him here live now. Jake, you can go away with it. All righty. Hey, J.D., welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you guys for having me. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna go right into the questions. I'm gonna go right into the nitty gritty. Um, where does the JD come from in the name? I feel like everyone's been thinking about it. Everyone's been asking, where does that JD come? Yeah, from? yeah, it's a million dollar question. Um, a lot of you know, I I'm, I'm a junior. My dad is got the same name, so I was I was Jonathan Gregory Davis Jr. and for the longest time growing up uh, my mom and dad just called me JD so uh, it kind of stuck and in the baseball world I was uh, growing up I was known as JD and uh, I don't know what 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 happened or you know what what stuck but around you know middle school high school JD Davis just kind of you know kind of stuck and uh, just you know didn't really fight it just like the name JD and sure and, and so yeah all right. Um, th- first off, thank you for joining the podcast, JD. I really appreciate having you, um, and welcome to New York. Oh no, I'm um, ecstatic. So, uh, yeah, awesome. Um, so my question is, um, since it's very fresh in your memory, how did you find out that you were traded, and what is the first thing you did after finding out? Uh, first thing. Um... Well, I got a, uh, woke up uh, Sunday uh, morning and I uh, got a call from uh, GM uh, Astros GM Jeff Lunau and uh, said he needed to uh, needed to talk to me. I had a missed phone call and a text message said he needed to call me back, and so uh, I ended up waking up, calling him, and uh, he gave me the news that I'd been traded to the Mets. Uh, he wished me luck, and uh, that's how I found out. And then uh, he gave me his information to Brody. Uh, GM Brody met, and then uh, Brody called me in about 15 minutes, and uh, that's what it was. And then uh, we ended up uh, – we were at the brunch, and my dad uh, was ecstatic, and he popped some uh, cheap champagne uh, where we were at, and we celebrated a little bit for the uh, new opportunity to go play in the Big Apple. That's awesome. I'm, I'm happy that, that you're excited to be here. Um, I'm happy that we're going to have someone who who wants to be here and 
Uh, it's just it's just brings a smile to my face to hear that. Um, going into 2019, what are your personal goals? Um, just overall for the 2019 season as a New York Met. Well, personal goals. Um, you know, I'm not, not much of a not much of a personal guy. I'm more you know more of a team guy. So obviously, you know, any way I can contribute to win. Um, but you know, uh, if I had to put it for personal goals, obviously, you know, um, uh, you know, keep up or pick up my numbers for, you know, or do my contribution on offense to hit, hitting home runs. And then, uh, obviously, you know, playing the game the right way, um, and, you know, saving some, saving some runs on defense. Um, and, you know, personal goals, I don't really, I've never really had any, so uh, I can't really answer that, but I can sure that uh, any any goal just in, in mind is uh, to obviously win more ball games. Well, it's always great to have a team player. Um, that's just a great quality to have. Now, my uh, next question for you is: um, What part of your game are you most intent on improving during the 2019 season? Uh, well, the biggest one obviously is uh, my defense. Not 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 really my hands or uh, anything. I think it's just the footwork. Um, I've continuously over the past year or two, uh, uh, getting, uh, intensifying my agility and working out in the off season to help my feet. Um, I've the first, the first goal was from transferring from, you know, um, the outfield to third base and the Astros to soften up my hands. And I've done a pretty good job of that. So now it's transferring over to the feet and, you know, trying to, you know, keep my momentum, staying down on balls and staying down on my throws. And, you know, um, I think that's the biggest thing. And then improving uh, just, uh, again, explosiveness on the bases. And, you know, um, I may not be the fastest guy, but uh, for sure I'll be the uh, – a good uh, base running, a high base running IQ going from first to third or stretching it from second to home and making them tight turns and stuff. Okay. That's a, that's, that's a good place to start. Um, there's a, so we, we started talking about the trade a little bit earlier. There's a lot of things that aren't uh, spoken about that are a lot of non-baseball pieces to being traded. So is it, what what is like, can you what? How can you explain the non-baseball side, such as finding a place to live in New York or um, contacting new people and, and the just the outside part of it? Uh, if you can touch a little bit on that. Well, the baseball world is always a small world, so obviously, you know, I know a few guys um, playing in AAA, uh, playing against the Las uh, your guys affiliate Las Vegas last year. So I know a few of the younger guys that have gone up there. So obviously contacting them, and, you know, getting to know them, and obviously you know uh, uh, just reaching out to them. But then obviously on the off the field, you know, um, it's going to be a new place. I got to got to get used to New York. So hopefully you know maybe I can fly out you know, before spring training or in between spring training and uh, the regular season. I can you know finally you know get a place and kind of explore the city and explore the, uh, around the area of the stadium and, you know, uh, just get to, get to know New York. Yeah, I definitely think you're going to love New York City. It's just um, one of the best places in the world, best cities in the world. Um, my next question is, um, all right, um, who are you going to miss the most from the Astros organization? And also, 
another part to it is uh, what is your favorite memory during your time in the organization? Oh man, um, well, uh, well, missing the most. I mean, the I can't really specify some someone, but um, but obviously the coaches and the teammates. I've that's that's the first pro ball or pro uh, system that I went through and I've met so many people through the system and um, I was, uh, you know, re- uh, kind of sh- uh, shocked and uh, uh, humbled by so many people that reached out to me when I got traded and just wishing me luck from the Astros. And um, so I can't really specify on a particular one, but um, my favorite memory, obviously besides debuting, uh, I would say hitting the, uh, Three-run home run against the New York Yankees uh, to uh, win us uh, win us the game with Verlander on the mound. We ended up winning three to one that that day. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like remember any, that. That's great. <laughs> I like any homer hit against the Yankees. So uh, <laughs> that's definitely a good memory to have. Um, so next year, you were talking about how you know a few of the guys um, from AAA, some of the younger guys. Is there anyone that you haven't met yet that you're excited to meet and play with? Um, anyone that you can think of from the top of your head? Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, the big the big guys are the uh, the older guys on the team, obviously. You know, I, I've said hi to them on the field, but it's a little different from, you know, striking up a relationship or a conversation or, you know, getting into a relationship with uh, some of the guys on the team, obviously, you know. The uh, the head guys in the clubhouse, uh, Noah Syndergaard, Jay. Um, you know, uh, and then some of the older guys on the uh, position side, Frazier, um, and uh, all those guys. So it's uh, I'm excited to you know, get to know them. I know you guys just acquired Robbie Cano too, so obviously pick his brain. But you know, um, but yeah. But I'm I'm in I'm always uh, intrigued by you know just some the older guys and trying to pick their brain and you know learn from them because they've uh, been in the game longer than I have. Yeah, um, so building off that a bit, this uh, question, um, in a way, it's uh, who is someone actively, um, who is actively playing, or um, they could even be retired, it doesn't matter to me, that has influenced you as a player? Uh, I'd probably go, uh, you know, actively playing as in, oh man, um, uh, the one of the big guys was uh, Brian McCann. He got traded to the uh, Braves. Uh, one of the best teammates I've ever played with. Um, and then you know, um, and then the, the up the middle for the Astros, Carlos Correa and Altuve. You know, they've uh, they constantly you know take the young guys under their wing and you know show them and they're great teammates. And you know, I think those uh, three guys are you know they've always kind of. Uh, uh, active, active, or actively, you know, kind of not necessarily a role model, but it just shows you how to be, how to be a professional. I would say. Mm. Yeah, that, that, that's that's really awesome. I, I didn't I didn't expect to hear Brian McCann's name, but that's that's awesome. Um, so we're gonna turn back the clock just a little bit. Uh, so you were drafted by the Rays out of high school in 2011, but you decided to move on to Cal State Fullerton. Can you explain what that decision was like as someone who is just a senior out of high school making such a big life decision? 
Yeah, you know, I think it came down to uh, just financial thing or financial situation. Uh, we, uh, I knew they drafted a uh, Arizona State uh, third baseman at the time in that draft, 2011, um, and uh, I gave him. I told them that you know Cal State Fortune was my dream school, and I've always wanted to go there. So if they wanted me, they had to you know pay a little bit more money than you know what 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 slot was. And um, so it came down to that if, if the decision signing the Arizona State third baseman or or me, so they ended up signing the Arizona State guy, and uh, we just never really uh, connected with uh, the financial or the number, um, or we just you know we never met met uh, in financial terms. So I ended up we just made it a little bit easier just to go to Fullerton and. Uh, develop uh and you know grow as a baseball player and as a person um building off that um last question uh this question is um what do you remember taking from your time at cal state fullerton is there a specific piece of your game that you remember building off of like to a great extent during your time at the in, in college yeah so we always had uh we had older guys come in, and uh, the late um, who passed away, Ken Raviza, uh, he would used to work with us uh, all the time at Cal State Fullerton. I think the biggest thing that I took away from Fullerton was the mental side of the game. I didn't really, I didn't really uh, crack into it or, until I got to Cal State Fullerton of how to slow the game down or, you know, uh, be a step ahead in game situations to think ahead. You know, to uh, to work on my breathing in, in a in a say, and uh, but I think the way that's the biggest thing that I way out of it and doing scouting reports uh, in that way, I was kind of um, once again a step ahead and just prepared before I go into the game. Okay, um, and then lastly to build off the the whole entire college set, um, in college you actually. We're not just a position player; you were a pitcher as well. So, what was what was it like making the decision um, whether or not to be to pursue being a pitcher or whether or not to pursue being uh, a position player? Yeah, um, they were. I mean, when scouts were coming to me and sitting down with me with different organizations, they were asking me if I wanted to be a pitcher or a hitter. And you know, uh, I always wanted to be a hitter right from the get because I always fall back in being a pitcher. I always have have the arm. In a in a say, um, I've always had a strong arm. So uh, my first love is you no know, hitting, um, and I could always fall back in pitching. But uh, you know, I do miss pitch sometimes. And I know at the Astros they threw me on the mound a couple times, and it was fun uh, just uh, getting back up there and just chucking as hard as I can. Well, um, thank you so much, JD, for. Um joining us tonight that that's it for our um interview i really appreciate you coming on and i um wish you all the luck in 2019 with the new york mets and no problem thank you guys for having me i'm ecstatic can't wait to get down there in florida and uh start working out with the guys anytime take care what is up um, guys eddie yellen here featuring my new mets account New York Met 69, featuring team status, team wins, team updates, and team scores overall. 
We also have live Q&As weekly that feature other teams than the Mets. So far, we've had a Yankees Q&A and a Mets Q&A. Tonight, we're having a Phillies Q&A at 4.40 p.m. Eastern Time. So be sure to follow New York Mets 69. Hello, this is Chris from Rattle Up. Please tune in this Friday at 8 Eastern as me and my co-host Blake will be talking about the Diamondbacks Awards from the 2018 season. We will be talking about awards for the Diamondbacks such as their MVP, Cy Young, and many other awards. We will also be discussing the Diamondbacks farm system and their top prospects from after the 2018 season and how the farm system looks going into the 2019 season. We'll also be answering your questions in our Rattle Up mailbag. Please tune in this Friday at 8 Eastern for, a sec- for our second episode of Rattle Up. For an overlook at the Di- Arizona Diamondbacks farm system, to look back on the 2018 season and our rewards from last year. Thank you, and remember to t- please remember to tune in this Friday at 8 Eastern. Thank you, and please tune in this Friday, January 11th at 8 o'clock Eastern for our second episode of Rattle Up. Um, everybody, uh, we're back. Um, great interview with uh, J.D. Davis. Really glad he could come on. Great guy. Um, can't wait to watch him play with the Mets next year. Um, now, we were going to talk about all the moves that the Mets have made the last couple of days. They've made a lot, especially minor moves. But, um, you know, there was a major move made about an hour ago. The Mets signed free agent J.D. Um, I'm sorry, Jed Lowry to a two-year contract worth $20 million, 10 a year, I believe. And um, I really like the move. I think that he adds a lot of um, versatility to the team as well as gives us a, a better player at um, third base. I've always wanted a guy who can, you know, hit, who could um, drive in 100 runs, 27 home runs. Last year with the Athletics in their park, which is tough, pretty tough to hit in Oakland's uh, uh, stadium, he was able to hit about 27 home runs. I believe it was 100 RBIs, 99 RBIs. So, you know, I just really like the move offensively and defensively from that perspective. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm I'm really excited about Jed Lowry. For, so to re- refer to what you were just talking about, how um, Oakland is not really a hitter's part, they, uh, his away numbers were actually – really, really good. So uh, I'm excited to see what you can do in a new uh, ballpark because no matter how you spin it, you're playing 80 games out of the year um, in that in your home ballpark. So I think Jed Lowry is a really, really good addition. He's going to be the depth that they keep talking about. While we, we may be getting these, making these other deals, he, he's, he's some really big depth along with uh, Jimmy Davis. I'm going to go to one of our callers. We have Brendan from North Carolina who wants to talk about Jed Lowry as well. Hello? What's hey, going Brendan. on, Brendan? Um, I, I was researching him. Um, he's actually not that bad as I thought he would be. He's just, I, I don't know, I just really don't like the age. I wanted to go after Harper or somebody like that. That would make us contenders. Um, I guess I know that this makes death, but I just don't see why we made this move. There was younger guys, and I'm just confused. Definitely, and, you know, I, I agree with your sentiment there. 
I believe, and I've said this before, I just don't understand why so many teams aren't on and on Harper or Machado. It, it just, it's mind-boggling to me because I think they're such great talents. You never see these types of talents in the free agency. Middle 20s in their prime, you never see that. And, you know, teams should be jumping on this. This is not like a like the contract that the Angels gave to the pool host. This is a, these are two younger guys who they're asking for 10-year deals. They're going to be 36 when they're done with the deal. There's a lot that can um, go right in terms of these two guys. They're just asking for an absorbent amount of money. But, you know, the Mets, let's be realistic. The Mets are not going to do those deals. And whatever they do should be going towards um, improving the team, adding great players that can help um, bring us to a championship, and I think Jed Lowry um, I is a step in the right direction. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, um, yeah, I totally agree that there there should be no reason we shouldn't be going after these guys that are are game changers. Quite literally, they are game changers. Um, just to play devil's advocate, though, is I mean, with with the whole entire Stackhouse revolution and the analytics revolution. It's just a general idea that the drop-off for a player usually starts around 30 to 31 years old. So no one wants nope. to make these contracts. And I think the more, the longer they wait for these contracts, the more likely we are to become a contender to sign them. I mean, the, the shorter and the cheaper these contracts become, the more interested that Brody uh, and the Mets will be. Because, I mean, I, I don't know if it's – Quite literally, that we're we're cheap, and that we we don't want to spend, and that we don't want these players on our team. It's just that we don't want to get bit in the butt like we have a lot of other times with long-term contracts. So, I think, yeah, I mean, there's a very high upside, but by the time they're getting into their older age, the same exact reason that everyone had an issue with Cano is that he's going to be they're going to be going into their 35 to 36 year old seasons and it's just a little bit um, scary as a Mets fan who is a little bit weary about very big contracts yeah um, thank you Brandon for your call I really appreciate it um, you know I'm just going to debate you a little bit there Jed Lowry is a player who you know he, he kind of is like um, Murphy in a way I'll put it that way because he has developed his game as he's went throughout his career and he's become better with age and he's made adjustments as he's gotten older it seems to play to a very um a very high um uh to a very high performance level even at such a um you know veteran age i mean we saw this with Estrubal Cabrera who struggled for several years with the Indians he came over to us um, his offense was great. He probably is one of the better free agents we signed in the last decade. Um, you know, I feel like that kind of sentiment um, can go with uh, Jed Lowry. Um, you know, he, he's a guy who's improved throughout the last couple seasons um, to a great extent. Before that, he was a utility man, um, but he's really established himself as one of the bigger Bigger names in baseball, I'd say. He's an all-star last year, so I think this is a good contract to have because he's getting better with age, and he's made those adjustments. So we'll see. Um, now yeah, we go to, uh, I mean, I do 
yeah, we'll we'll go to the caller in a second. I just wanted to yeah. speak what you were talking about. Um, the thing is with Lowry is that you sort of know what you're going to get. Ten years from now into the future, even, say, seven years from now, I have no idea what I'm getting from Machado or Harper. It's just true. I mean, Harper has obviously been very inconsistent throughout his career. There's nothing that you can take away from him. He's had some really great accomplishments, and he's done some some really cool things as a baseball player so far. But the inconsistency does not give give him the right to a 10-year contract, especially with with Machado on on the market, because people are teams would rather be paying for someone who's at least showed a little bit of consistency. The thing with Jed Lowry is that he has made a case already in his 34-year-old season that he can still play. To me, Harper has not told me that he can play when he's thir- even 32, 33 years old yet. I mean, we, we, he hasn't mm-hmm. even even scraped 30. So, um, I mean, you, you yeah. say that you could say that with you could say that with um, any player really, but um, guys that have raw talent that have consistency. I think one thing with Harper is that he consistently hits a lot of home runs. He consistently drives in a lot of RBIs, and he consistently gets on base. I feel like um, I, I feel like that. You know, batting average is overrated. If you were talking about uh, metrics, I think the more the more important metrics are slugging, are um, you know the uh, on base percentage, all those things. And he's consistently kept those numbers at a premium, even when he struggled. And this, and he's always been a clutch player, who you know can be the face of a franchise. And do we really have a position player right now that could be the face of our franchise? Sure. We have guys that can ultimately do that, but right now we don't have a face to this franchise. I'm not saying Bryce Harper is going to be signed. I'm just saying teams would be in on him for that reason, like the white Sox and others. Um, So we'll um, let's go to um, Peter from Bayo. Hey, hey, what's going Hello? on, Peter? Uh, yeah, hi, hey, Peter. What's up? Um, what's, up? Um, what, what's your point um, tonight? Uh, I want to talk about like the catch and what do you think they're going to do for like the backups and stuff? Backups? Um, you want to take this one first, Jake? Yeah. Wait, so, wait, wait. Is, is JD Stone on or no? Uh, JD, no, he's not. Now. He left already. We did interview him, uh, but. All right, Jake, you can Um, tag on on to that uh, catching thing. So from my knowledge, um, the Mets are going to be looking into a tandem rather than a starter backup situation. Uh, That could change very easily throughout spring training. So far, um, the comments have been that they're going to stick to um, a tandem between Ramos and Darno, depending on who uh, um, has better numbers, you try down his mic. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah so, I completely get what you're saying um, with the catchers. It's going to be a tandem. They've said that, but um, you're going to see more Wilson Ramos as long as he stays healthy. You're going to see more of him, and you're going to see 
You're going to see Travis Arnold every couple days. He's going to be in there. He's not going to be a regular backup. He's going to get a lot of time. Hopefully he hits. Hopefully he's consistent defensively or at least more consistent than we've um, become keen to. Um, but I, I do not – I do expect there to be, you know, because of Ramos's injuries in the last couple of years, uh, you're going to see Travis play a little bit more than a regular backup would. Yeah. And uh, there have been some comments as well saying that Darno would not only be a backup or even in a tandem with um, the catching situation, but he would also be tagging on to different positions. So he did play um, third base and second base uh, in a game last year. And I, I think uh, that that could come into factor this year. As John and I were talking about before the podcast even began, how this, all these moves that seem like they're they're smaller moves are actually the gears that are putting together a very big machine that that um, creates a lot of depth and creates a lot of moving parts. Uh, if you want to speak right. a little bit more on that, John. let's go to um, Logan from Richfield. He wants to talk about um, McNeil's role next year on the team. Hello. Hey, Logan, what's going on? Hey, nothing much, guys. Um, so, yeah, uh, I was a little bit caught off by the news today of the signing of uh, Jeff Bowery. I really did not expect that at all because um, I kind of felt like we had our infields for the most part figured out. Yeah. Um, I don't dislike this move at all. That's not what I'm saying at all, but uh, it just – is surprising because I don't know what McNeil's role is going to be. I'm guessing that he's going to have to play a lot in the outfield, uh, but we haven't seen him even play that at all yet. And it seems like they've kind of casted him out of even giving him a chance uh, at a starting position in the infield. So just what I was wondering your thoughts on that. Well, I'm going to say I want to disagree here a little bit. Just um, I completely get what you're saying. I completely understand that sentiment. A lot of my followers on Mets Updates has been um, uh, having that, showing that um, sentiment as well. I just want to tell you what they plan to do, and they've been doing this all offseason, is they plan to use him as a super utility man, um, akin to like Ben Zobrist or something like that. And I can see him playing a lot of outfield. He played a lot of the outfield in the minors. He was a center fielder for a while in college and such. So he does know the position. Um, I can see the Mets doing that. Um, all right, we're going to go to break. Um, thank you for the call, and we are doing that now. Hey, guys, this is Benson from Bucko Booth, also producer here on this show. Just want to make sure you tune in to Bucko Booth, 8 a.m. Eastern, Saturday morning. we got a big show lined up for you guys. Gregory Polanco is set to come on the show. We're going to interview him, our first player guest, and we are oh so happy to have him. We're going to discuss the recovery from his injury he suffered back in September, his breakout 2018 season, and what he expects going forward in 2019 for himself and for the team. We're also going to discuss the Jung Ho Gong question and what happens at third base. Could he be a bust or a big power threat in a potentially good lineup? We're also going to discuss the over-under win projections for the Pirates heading into 2019 and the minicamp that is ongoing down there in Pirate City. All this and much more this Saturday, 8 a.m. Eastern, on Bucko Booth. Remember, Gregory Polongo is joining us. You're not going to want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of the show.
All right, and we're back from our break. Um, John and Jake here. Uh, we're going to be talking about next um, several of the other moves the Mets have made in the last couple of days. They've made a lot of moves. Um, they have signed uh, two uh, players to a minor league contract, uh, Hector San- Santiago. Um, they signed him to a uh, minor league contract with incentives if he makes the Major League roster, he'll get about $2 million or $3 million a year for the year. Um, they've also signed Luis Avilon to a minor league contract, which I think is a very underrated signing. Um, he's a very good lefty. He gets out lefties consistently in his career, and that's kind of something we've been looking for. Other moves they've made, they traded. Um, they sent um, Kevin Ploiecki packing to Cleveland uh, for two um, for two prospects. Um, and they've traded, of course, we had J.D. Davis on before they traded for him um, from the Astros. They um, sent three prospects, including Ross Aldorf, um, Santana, and Minea, they've sent to um, Houston. Um, and one more trade they made was to get Keon Broxton, too, who's a very good defensive center fielder. They traded for him from the Brewers. They traded Wall, uh, Bobby Wall, who was in the majors a little bit last year, and two other prospects for him. Um, Jake, I want to get your um, opinion on some or, you know, uh, these moves. Which, what do you think of these moves? Uh, like, like I was referenced a little bit earlier, I think these in isolated in an isolated shell, I think a lot of these moves seem a little bit questionable. But I think all of these guys have very high ceilings, and they will work together very well. Um, specifically, Keon Broxton, who I'm very excited to have, and I've been a huge fan of um, since he was called up uh, a few years ago. Uh, I just wanted to spit a few stats out just to that comforted me at least a little bit. Um, number one, obviously out of a center fielder, you're going to want a guy who's fast. Um, and not only is he fast, but he's pretty impressive off, off, uh, out of the leadoff spot. So he slashed 270, two, uh, 361, 397 behind a 395 Babbitt um, for his whole entire career coming out of the leadoff spot. Not only is he very good in the leadoff spot, but he's very good on the first pitch. So the slash line for that is 361, 371, and then 689 as a slugging percentage. So um, I think the, the whole entire point of me spinning these stats out is that Keon Broxton is a little bit of help away from being a top leadoff man um, who is already established in elite glove and uh, in center field. So I think we got a lot of bang for our buck. I mean, losing Luis Santana, uh, that's a different deal. I'm sorry. Um, overall, I, I'm just excited for Keon Broxton. I think he's one step away from being a huge acquisition. Yeah, um, just to um, say, uh, Andy Martino just tweeted that uh, the Mets are either done or close to done with the um, making a lot of moves this offseason. That's what he just um, uh, tweeted out. I don't know how much uh, validity there is to it because – Sometimes he gets things right and other things happen and, you know, we make moves. But 
at this point, that's where we are in the off season right now. Um, I'm sure you, we can expect a few other things to happen, but they probably won't be major moves. We'll see what we'll see what goes down though. Um, and you know, I, I think you brought up a lot of stats that were important. Um, I think that Keon Broxton, what he brings to the table, younger, 29, he's we can control him for a couple of years, so we, maybe he can become something. Um, he didn't get a lot of chances in Brewers with the Brewers. They have a pretty stacked outfield. Um, we've got, uh, JD Davis, who is, was killing it in AAA last year. I feel like he could be the next Max Muncie or something like that. Um, he was a very big time prospect and I think he will, um, do very well, um, with the Mets next year. And I'm sure he'll get opportunities to play. Um, we've got, who else do we got? Hector Santiago, veteran starting pitcher who had a very good run with the Angels a couple seasons ago. Um, he can help us in the bullpen. He had a very very good staff in the bullpen last year. Or he could help us in the starting rotation if Vargas uh, – give Vargas a little bit of a motivational push, um, something like that. Um, so, guys, and there's other guys like Avilon and stuff. And what else do you think about these guys? What other comments you have, Jake? Yeah. So Hector Santiago, um, speaking on his, his transition from being a starter to a reliever as a starter last year, his ERA was a 6.12 after seven starts. Um, that includes 23 walks in just 32 and, uh, in a third innings. But, he turned it all the way around as a reliever, uh, throwing 387 ball um, over 74 innings and striking out uh, 86 guys over those innings. So uh, I think this could be our our lefty specialist. I think he has the capability to do so. I think Luis Aulon definitely also has uh, the capability to be our lefty specialist. So uh, we didn't get a big name, and, and yes, it hurts a little bit that we don't have that big name. But I think these guys are definitely sufficient enough for a bit of a minor role in the grand scheme of things, um, where they'll come in for one or two batters a game to to get some sure outs. Yep, and um, uh, that that's that's a good point. I can see Hector Santiago playing a role definitely out of the bullpen next year. We can see as the season comes, rolls around, we'll see where exactly he will be placed. I see him making the major league roster, but in what respect will he be there? Um, I want to talk a little bit more about Luis Avilon, who we signed to a minor league contract today, who, you know, he's a very good reliever, been around for a while, dependable against lefties. So I'm surprised he only got a minor league deal. I guess that just um, is a, uh, um, symbolizes what the market has become. It's uh, been stagnant, but, um, you know, he's a 29-year-old reliever, um, pitched for both Chicago White Sox, Philadelphia Phillies last year, 377 ERA in 45.1 innings. But the stats that are most important, he held lefties in his career to a 213 average, 289 on-base percentage. Um, he's an even better as I may add on, a six four six OPS last year and a 10.1 um, strikeouts per nine innings last year as well, overall, which is electric. Um, this is going to be a guy 
that's going to be in this bullpen probably, and he's going to be good, I think. Yeah, I I wouldn't be tricked by those those minor league deals. Uh, I think that's a very broad term, but these minor league deals are are built specifically to have guys come up. Uh, minor league deals for for prospects are a little bit differently constructed, so that uh, they're calling up and down is a little bit smoother. But these guys are built to once they start succeeding, they're built to come up. So I, I think uh, the the term minor league deal makes it sound like these guys are minor players. But yeah. I mean, on the yep. minor league deals, we've we've got some really big depth guys, some guys that could really come into play if we're if down the stretch if if we really need them. Um, and, and I think uh, I think everyone should calm down a little bit and, and not really worry about the label and sort of look at it for what it really is. And we we have two guys that kill lefties for probably under three million dollars once we call them both up. By the way, I'll call in number to, uh, if you want to call into the show, um, talk to Matt, um, is 845-277-9345. We have five minutes till the break. Um, another topic I want to get to, I mean, we have a lot to cover today, and we might come back to all these other deals and everything, but um, you've heard some headway into the DeGrom negotiations the last couple of days. Um, both sides want to get to an extension, and there's a feeling that they will. Um, we don't know when, we don't know how, but we know it's going to probably happen. Um, I heard that the range of the contract was around five years, six years, and um, about $130, $145 million, um, in all. So he's getting about $25, $30 million, I believe, a year, which is pretty good um, for DeGrom. I mean, he had such a great year last year, and he has such a little um, – you know, he has such little uh, mileage on his arm that he could be dependable until he's 35, without a doubt. Yeah, and I, I think that should have been our first goal this off season. but it, it's good to hear that they're finally trying. Um, so tomorrow should be that deadline uh, to where they'll start to go into arbitration um, and work out a number there. So uh, my, my guess would be that they're just going to go forward and sign um, the one-year, fifteen million dollar deal around that, around there, um, just to avoid going to arbitration and having to maybe pay even close to close to twenty, I would say, um, after arbitration is settled. So uh, I would I would like to think that Brody has the smarts to just get that one one year out, so that working that on that extension is is a lot less stressful going into spring training. Again, our number is 845-277-9345. Call in if you want to talk Mets. We're going to go to a call here. Um, Brendan, North Carolina, wants to talk about the DeGrom extension. Um, Brendan, are you on? Yeah, I'm on. Hey, Brendan, how are you? Um, so what, what what's your point about the uh, DeGrom extension? Before I get into this, I'd just like to say every team that I like, besides for football, is that every team that I like for New York has so much heart. It's so much heart. But anyways, besides mm-hmm. the point of that, 
What if yeah, the Grom, What if the Grom just just plain out decides not to sign with us? Well, um, I, I don't know if that would be the case. I mean, it, it seems and it looks apparent that on both sides, they are both willing to get to a contract uh, um, extension. And I know, I, 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 you can see from these contract extensions and from what DeGrom said in the past that he wants this extension and he wants to pitch to the New York Mets. I don't think that's debatable at this point. It's just about getting that deal done, giving the man the money, getting him in here for the next five years so he's a stalwart in this staff. Yeah, I think that DeGrom uh, has obviously made it a a very, very big point that he wants to um, stay with the Mets. So I think that extension will probably happen. If not, it'll be a little bit easier to sign Syndergaard to his extension. Uh, so we're, By the we're way, Brent, go... Brent, oh, sorry. thank you for the call. Um, uh, you can continue, Jake. Yeah, uh, thanks, Brendan. So, yeah, um, we have about 30 seconds left. We're going to go into the break. Um, yeah, thanks for everyone listening. By the way, our listening. number, our number yeah. by the way, is 845-277-9345. You want to talk, Mets? We're on for the next 15 minutes. We have more segments, uh, one more segment to go. Thank you. Hello, this is Chris from Rattlelap. Please tune in this Friday at 8 Eastern as me and my co-host Blake will be talking about the Diamondbacks Awards from the 2018 season. We will be talking about awards for the Diamondbacks, such as their MVP, Cy Young, and many other awards. We will also be discussing the Diamondbacks farm system and their top prospects from after the 2018 season, and how the farm system looks going into the 2019 season. We will also be answering your questions in our Rattle Up mailbag. Please tune in this Friday at 8 Eastern for, a sec- for our second episode of Rattlelot. For an overlook at the Di- Arizona Diamondbacks farm system, to look back on the 2018 season and our rewards from last year. Thank you, and remember to t- please remember to tune in this Friday at 8 Eastern. Thank you, and please tune in this Friday, January 11th at 8 o'clock Eastern for our second episode of Rattlelot. All right, and we're back. Um, John and Jake here, of course. Um, I'm John, of course. Uh, So for this segment, uh, basically, we're going to continue to talk about everything. You know, there's a lot been going on. Uh, We're going to talk more about the NL East and what's going on with the NL East right now. There was a report today, and there's been reports consistently the last couple of days, um, consistently – pointing in the direction of the Nationals probably signing Bryce Harper. The Phillies maybe have a really good chance of inking Manny Machado to a contract. And the Braves are intensifying in their uh, advance for um, A.J. Pollock. So all three, probably three of the best uh, free agents at this point um, in the NL East, which is already an NL East that is packed with talent. And you got to worry because the Mets have such a, I think, in my opinion, they have a pretty small window to completely compete with this roster because, you know, a lot of them are signed to a couple of years and stuff like that. So we'll see what goes on after this. But it's, it's, it's worrisome because this is not a good time to try and really use that small 
to really have a small window, window to compete because so much can happen during a season. Yeah, it's a little bit scary, but, but on the, again, trying to play devil's advocate just a little bit. Don't get me wrong, I'm not shivering in my boots, but um, these are rumors. I mean, there's there's a lot that is still going to happen, and I wouldn't be surprised if it, it took even another two weeks for these guys to sign. They're trying to get the most money they can, and I, I don't think they have a preference of the team. I think they have a preference of the money. So it, it really is whoever um, is going to be paying the most. And, I, I, I mean, we, we've heard so many times this offseason that this team is close, this team is close, this team is close to, to no avail. Um, but, you know, it, you can't worry about it until until the monsters actually – in the closet. So I'm not sweating yet. I think we are even, I might be a little bit delusional, but I think we're still a little bit of a player once that value goes down, but um, for, for Harper at least. So, yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Um, You know, a lot of people, you know, feel that same way. Um, In my opinion, going forward, I mean, We've got a very um, – Brody Van Wagenen, who I give a lot of credit to because he's made some very good deals um, with the, the payment uh, – not the payment, the payroll limitations he's had. He's, he's really made some really good deals, and he's created a roster that – there's a lot of flexibility on this roster. You've got Jed Lowry they just signed, who they plan to play third base, shortstop, maybe some outfield. You've got McNeil, who's going to be used kind of like a Ben Zobrist, a super utility man. He's going to be everywhere. Second base, shortstop. Um, not shortstop, I'm sorry. Second base, third base, um, first base, all the outfield spots. This guy's going to be around. And I feel like he'll be a starting outfielder early in the season, and we'll see where that goes. Um, and you've got a lot of other moving parts on this roster. I- I'm so happy to see it. Um, it's kind of like with the Dodgers, with their World Series rosters, they have a lot of guys who can play a lot of positions. Yeah, and if yeah. I'm if I'm being honest, I mean, I'd rather have a a moving parts kind of um, organization rather than a set in stone player at each position. Because once that guy goes down, it it, it becomes a little bit of like an emergency episode where you're rushing to sign guys that aren't. Uh, even part of your organization yet or it's just we've seen this way too many times before and I I just think the biggest thing that we lacked last year was depth and and we're fulfilling the depth and and people are still complaining so it's because of the complaints it it seems like we're not having a good off season but John Heyman quite literally said that the Mets are probably having the best off season so far um, when making a comment about Jed Lowry I, I, I'm excited. I think this team, there's a lot of moving parts, and that's why we're a little bit undervalued. But I think those moving parts, when they come together, we're, we're going to be a force. Um, it makes sense. It makes I'm sense. really excited about Here's that. the issue. Here's the issue um, when we're talking about the Mets here. They've had a very decent, pretty good offseason to this point. I'd put it that way. Um, they still – the only issue – 
is they still have a couple holes on this team um, in regards to having an everyday center fielder, having um, a another reliever. They could use another reliever, maybe a seventh inning setup man. And we'll see how this market goes. It could be like last year where we got a couple guys in the end um, on good contracts. We, we could do the same this offseason because there are other things that have to fall into place. We could use more rotation depth, in my opinion, as well, um, because you never know with the arms. I mean, Matt, Wheeler, Syndergaard, um, they all have injury history, and Vargas is not dependable based on performance. Um, so, but if they were to sign, let's say, let's say they, in a great, it, let's say they signed Pollock or Marquez, it would be a grand slam off season for us. If they sign Marquecas, it would be a very, very good move that stabilizes the outfield that would make this a very, very, very good offseason. Um, we already know that Harper and Machado is not happening. But, you know, I'm just – I just think we're a couple moves away from having one of the best offseasons we've had in a while. Yeah, and, I mean, I, I my personal opinion is that Pollock – is a little bit of a risk and it's too much of a risk for a team like you were talking about has such a small window we don't have a lot of time and I'm not here to sign a five-year deal to a guy that wants Lorenzo Cain money but is half the player Lorenzo Cain is I mean if he's healthy if he's there every day he will produce similar numbers to Kane, but he he's proven that he he's not that he's not going to be there every day, and that he's he's a bit injury prone, and, and it sucks that that's a reality. But um, I wish the best of luck Definitely. to AJ Pollock, and I think he's a great player. But I, I don't I don't want to take that risk, especially with such a small window. Definitely, but the problem is that, and we we talked about this before. The, the infield um, free agents, there's a, a bigger bigger um, crowd right now than there is in outfield, especially in center field. Center field is very, um, you know, it's a very uh, small crowd right now. A.J. Pollock is definitely a standout in that respect, and we need a center fielder pretty badly. I mean, Ligaris is, I think he's even less dependable by a long shot than A.J. Pollock. I, I haven't seen Lugars consistently play in years. Um, Keon Broxton is not somebody you can depend on offensively in center field, especially with the Mets lineup. It's a decent lineup the Mets have here. It is not the best in the NL East. It's 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 just decent. So you know we we can afford to add another bat in there, and even if Pollock's not dependable, um, I still think maybe. Um, Maybe a change of scenery could help him. Um, and when, with, when it comes to his, in respect to his injuries, a lot of freak accidents have happened to him in the past, making catches and stuff. So if he just shows, as he becomes more of a veteran, if he just shows some more, um, uh, takes himself back a bit and shows some more restraint when making blowout catches and stuff like that and keeps himself safe when doing so, you know, I think that can help him and go a long way. I, I don't disagree that he he would improve the outfield. 
I, I do disagree that we should spend the money on him. Whether or not people think that this team is, like, just overflowing with money, it's just not how a baseball team works. We can't just spend on everyone. Um, I, I would rather right. spend Lorenzo Cain money on Marquecas for two years with, with the same value per year. I would much rather okay. do that, and I'd feel much safer, especially, uh, I, I mean, the reason we're getting these guys is not because we're building up into a dynasty. It's because we're we're at the end of whatever road, and and we're yeah. trying to ta- tackle it right now before we get we let it get away from us. So I mean, but I, I also think that I think that AJ Pollock um, is a much better option when healthy and is more of a logical fit for the Mets currently because Nimmo and Conforto are great, but they're not prototypical center fielders. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I liked I liked Conforto in center field the past two years, and I, I think he looks pretty dominant out there. But I understand what you're saying. He he grew up being a a left fielder. He should be in his position. <laughs> well, even the metrics with him in center field there below league average, and you know, I, I I definitely prefer to have somebody out there who can um play to a very very high level like Lagares. If we could give Lagares, um. You know, if we could give him like like the ability to power and hit consistently and stay on the field consistently, then he'd be great. But we can't do that. He's an if, and we have to we have to rely on somebody else. I think in center field. But what are the options? Are there any other options that are better than Lagares currently, other than Pollock on the market? Everybody says Adam Jones. Adam Jones is a defensive. Uh, Defensive concern. It's it's just bad. It's like negative twelve. He's not a center fielder anymore. His hitting's uh, gone down a lot the last couple seasons. And you know, can we really rely on a guy like Jones um, in center field every day? I don't think we can. I think he's a bench player at this point in his career, or a platoon player in one of the other two outfield spots. So that's why I think Pollock's the best option. And when all these guys are going to other national um, NL uh, East teams, you have to be a bidder. You have to be either drive up the price or you have to um, stay in that market so that you can try to keep them from going to the other team. And yeah. Pollock especially. Pollock especially. I have to agree with you uh, in that sense where we have to make it harder for for – our enemies to be be getting these guys. I mean, whether or not, yes, I have my opinions about Pollock. Um, but when he's there, he, he's a force. Um, and he, he's scary to play against. So yep. it's either we have him on our side or we let him go to their side. I mean, the, the better of two evils to me is let him go there and let him get hurt there. I mean, I Makes personally, me. my, my personal opinion, and, and then we'll wrap it up because we're almost done. My personal opinion is similar to my opinion with Darno and Ramos in a tandem. You have two just guys quick, that – yeah, go for it. Go for it. Oh, sorry. Just to quickly – um, well, I, I want you to finish your point, but I just want – after you're done, I just want to quickly say what a couple of the major moves the Mets have made so we can keep the listeners updated. 
Um, at this point, let me just do that. Um, so just before we end, Jed Lowry signed to a contract today, two years, $20 million deal. Um, Luis Avilon, minor league contract. Hector Santiago, minor league contract. All that's been happening. A lot of the things like Keon Broxton trade, uh, J.D. Davis trade, Pawecki trade, um, all of that has gone down. Thank you all for joining. Really appreciate it. We'll see you next week, 7 p.m. Thursday. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks again. Amazing Mets is produced by Benson Fester. Amazing Mets is a baseball podcast network production. Be sure to give our host a follow on Instagram, John at Mets Updates, and Jake at the first 162. For more Amazing Mets coverage, be sure to visit our website at www.baseballpodcastnet.com. And be sure to give the Baseball Podcast Network a follow on all their social media platforms. Instagram at Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter, at Baseball Podcast 1. That's B-O-D-C-A-S 1. YouTube, at Baseball Podcast Network. And SoundCloud, at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to Amazing Mets. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere where and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus